Welcome to the podcast about two good friends sharing stories to surprise and delight each other. I'm Courtney Farrell. And I'm Mason New. And this is I Got One For You. Welcome back to I've Got One For You. I'm Courtney Farrell. And this is Mason New. And we're having a conversation to try and surprise and delight each other, help each other to think, laugh, get excited about the world we're living in. And we're glad you're back, Mason. I'm happy to see you. Yes, it's up. Uh, we're we're in a new uh, recording place. We are. It looks like the city of Richmond has decided to dig up every pipe in front of my house. <laughs> they don't usually start until five thirty at night, and they continue through the evening into the into the midnight era. A <laughs> little little hard to have a conversation when you have a pile driver going through the the street in it, front it, of your house. It does hurt sound quality. <laughs> Well, Court, I got one for you. I was on a walk the other day because, as you know, I don't run very often. But you walk. I do like I'll to walk. I'll give you credit. I'll give I'm, you credit. Okay. So I, I'm walking in this neighborhood where there are lots of people who are very dog friendly. Sure. Not, not too far from where we live. And I'm going along and I see that people have put out lots of dog bowls. With water in them. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. It's just a sign that we're good. We're, we're in a good place. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. I agree. It's a, it's a kind gesture. Well, this morning I'm walking along and I see a sign, which carried me back to our previous conversations about signs. And the sign was actually on the dog bowl. And it said, tell your dog I said hi. <laughs> did you come home and tell your dogs? <laughs> Um, I did. I I did. They were surprised that someone (laughs) said hi to them. (laughs) And it got me thinking, well, what would it be like to have a conversation with my dogs in particular? I I just I I, got in my head. What would it be like to have a conversation with a dog? You just made me think just right, right away. Do you ever watch? Do you ever read the far side? Of course. It's one of my favorite, favorite comics. But the one where the two dogs are sitting out in their yard and a car drives by with the neighbor's dog in the back and the windows rolled down and he said, hey guys, I'm going to the vet to get tutored. Because <laughs> that's what it would be like to have a conversation with my dog. A lot of, of misconnections. <laughs> no, I said sit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and talking with my dog would would be something along this line. Tell me why, again, the rock tasted good before you swallowed it and then got it stuck in your intestine and we had to get it surgically moved. Just just tell me what the rock tasted I like. I call like. those episodes in life Operation Ruin Christmas. <laughs> like whenever you're shelling out money at the vet, it's just Operation Ruin Christmas. Kids... This Christmas, you get to pat our dog, <laughs> who is still alive. Merry Christmas. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I think it's interesting. Just conversations in general are ever so important. I think they're just important to being human. And, you know, I've given it a lot of thought about how do you decide between what's a good conversation, the ones that give you energy, the ones that fuel you, and uh, like a not great conversations, the one that took energy from you. And I, growing up in the South, 
you know, you and I have both been fortunate enough to be invited to some cocktail parties. And they're fun. They're nice things. They can also, however, be an example of the kind of conversation that drain you. You know, you show up and you go to the receiving line of some sort and somebody says to you the same question, which is, how is your mother? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you, it's, this is this surface level conversation through the evening. And it, it's sort of, um, I can't take it after a while. I can't, I can do surface for a second, but I like to, I mean, I like to jump into the deep end. It's kind of fun. Like, you know, let's dive. I don't want to wait for the lifeguard to tell me I can. I want to dive in. And so I usually try and ask people, what's your story? So what's your story? And then that you know, usually elicits some sort of, you know, um, what's, what do you mean? What story do you want me to tell? What, what, do you, what story do you want to tell? Let's mm-hmm. jump in it. Let's get past how's your mama, right? Let's have mm-hmm. a couple of imaginary cocktails where the person sitting across from you is slightly more interesting than they actually are. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? That that you're talking about me. Yes, just a couple of imaginary cocktails so that you can really appreciate whatever's being thrown back at you. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's to think a little bit about the kind of conversations that you want to have. Um, Wordy and I, when we lived in Dallas, Wordy was the head of a upper school all boys school there, and when you're in that role, you do a lot of um, ambassador ambassadoring. I'll turn it into a to a verb you go around and you meet with and connect with the community members who maybe don't go to the school anymore but are just donors and so right of course so one night we were lucky enough and fortunate enough to be invited to supper at a lovely woman's home who i think she was 100 years old maybe even 102 i can't remember we're splicing hairs here (laughs) you get to 100 the rest of them are just (laughs) bing there's a little bonus points on the side 100 to 102 a little different than zero to two or two to four (laughs) big difference at any rate she was lovely we got there and we made a you know transition from the cocktails to the dinner table and i noticed at dinner she had a little notebook next to her plate that she'd written down conversation topics and she'd look down every now and again and say what do you all think about you know and she'd pick a topic off of the thing that she had written there interesting yeah it was I mean it was cute but it was also really smart she hadn't just invited us to supper she wanted to be able to have conversation that went beyond the surface Right. And it's, of it's, course. It's why I'm here with you. I right. want to have at least once a week a conversation where both of us have been a little bit thoughtful about what we might want to share with one another. We're coming here to try and lift the other person up. Right. But we don't know where it's going to go. It's it's you know, it's it's had some pre-thought, but we have no idea. And that's so exciting. That's the surprise part. Right. We'll bring the delight. But the surprise is where does it go? Right. And and also. Uh, so I want to ask a question about that uh, when when you went to the woman's house and she like, she brought out whatever conversation topic there was so what do y'all think about blank how did people first react to that you know what it it led us into great it was actually a relief it's a relief i mean right. a lot of times when you're just I running hot into that. thing and somebody actually comes with a topic you you're kind of glad there's some point to hold on to, you know, and that you can, that you, you know, you do. It's like you have, 
you have a, I'm going back to the swimming pool thing where you're jumping in. It's a little buoy. You know, you, you got something to float with before you start, <laughs> you know, going too far down. I, I, I rather like it. In fact, when I first met Wordy, I was afraid he wouldn't find me interesting. You know, I didn't want to be uninteresting. I didn't want to seem not busy, right? Cute, fun, and busy. These are like these are the these are the three cornerstones of being a good flirt. Cute, uh, fun, and busy, ah, right? I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, this is important. You can't just say, you know, what's going on? Nothing. Who wants to date <laughs> nothing? Nobody wants to date what's going on, nothing. Right? So you gotta you gotta have even even if it's the illusion of a lot going on. So I would keep a little notepad by the bed and I'd just by the phone, not the bed. And um and I would jot down all the things that I could talk about. Like, oh, that was kind of interesting. And put that uh -huh. down. So when he, you know, call, what's going on? Oh, funny, you should ask. <laughs> you know, whatever, it's just right Just there. doing a few math problems in my <laughs> head or... No big deal, but I just finished reading Plato <laughs> while building a treehouse in my backyard. Did you know I'm taking German as a fifth language? You know, stuff like that. And guess what? He had a notepad by his uh, phone. Kidding. Can't make it up. Is that's, that so cool? Well, that that connects us back to the conversation we had about, uh, I guess it was books or travel, where where you both your favorite book, favorite book. was um, Power of One. That's right, Bryce Courtney. Well, that your <laughs> your story about uh, uh, the woman in Dallas with the conversation topics reminds me of uh, uh, I hadn't completely forgotten about this memory but when I started teaching we were up in Alexandria and I invited my advisor and college professor and his wife and they had retired to the area and we had them over for dinner so I want to tell you about the dinner conversation but I have to tell you a preceding story so when you're a teacher, one of the great, especially if you're teaching English, but even if you're not teaching English, you're teaching any subject, it's really about a conversation. It's a conversation with a student, between student and teacher, between student and student. It's a giant conversation where people are learning things. They're engaged. They're, when they feel an emotional and intellectual connection to some topic, that's when the conversation learning really is at its best. I just have to pause for a second and tell you, you're saying that makes me wish I could have been a student of yours. Well. I don't think all teachers describe teaching that way. And that is one of exclamation point. That is why whenever you taught, people left saying, that was my favorite teacher. Well, that was my favorite class. Don't, and th don't say anything. Okay. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to right. say that. Well, any, well here, here's an example of, a conversation that didn't go so well for okay. a student and the student was me. <laughs> okay. So my uh, sophomore year in college, I pride myself of being a pretty good writer, pretty good reader. And I'm just going to sort of just, just do so well as an English major. I, I, I went to school thinking on a couple of things, but I was pretty narrowed into being an English major early on. So my sophomore year, I am taking a Shakespeare class with my advisor, who also happens to be one of the great professors in the department. And so Shakespeare, pretty important as an English major, pretty important to do well, 
pretty important to, I don't know, study, read, (laughs) read the text? Well, Mason knew just so smart and Mr. English guy, he can sort of do the work. He can sort of read, right? And he's going to do just fine. He's going to do just fine. Well, guess what? He didn't do just fine. So we're we're reading A Midsummer Night's Dream. And um, so I go to office hours with my professor and I sit down and first of all, I call it, it's called A Midsummer Night's Dream and I called it A Mid a Midsummer's Night's Dream or something. Which I'm embarrassed to admit sounds more normal <laughs> to me than the real topic. I mean, the real title. Midsummer's Night Dream. That's what I called it. So, so I said to the professor, oh, I have some questions about this play. Um, I'm curious about the character. Now, the real name of the character is Titania. Well... <laughs> Uh, arrogant old Mason New says, I have a question about Titiana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your teacher was loving it. Well, oh, yeah, loving it. This so here, I bet so you he was quiet for a while. He, he was he was quiet for mm, about 15 seconds. And then in his accent, that's almost impossible to imitate because it's a mixture of Buckingham Palace and Macon, Georgia. <laughs> he goes, "Oh, the country boy has come to talk to me about Shakespeare." <laughs> <laughs> so that was a conversation that went in the wrong direction very, very quickly. Anyway, so <laughs> I thought you would love that, but the, the, it just reminds me of your high school <laughs> quote. I believe he had a Smith and Wesson. Oh no, it was a Smith and Wesson beats I four know. aces. I oh, believe oh, 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 oh. he had a Smith and Wesson, and oh, you yeah. showed up with a deck of cards. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> there <it> right. Is. <laughs> oh, the country boy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That very short conversation has had a lasting impact on you, I bet. Oh, oh, well, for for sure. And I do want to talk about that in one second. Um, it oh, it it got my attention. Now, bear in mind, also, I went on to earn the lowest grade that I earned in any English class as an English major on Shakespeare. And when I say low, it's like, no, it wasn't an A minus. I got a C minus in that course. Barely got through. And I got what I deserved because, you know, I hadn't done the work. Well, anyway, the funny thing is, so then I become an English teacher. And then, of course, I did all the things that drove my students crazy because I wanted them not to be like me. So I invite this professor and his wife over and so I was just starting as an English teacher. I was very excited about this. Melissa and I are there. And I decide that instead of conversation cards, I'm going to do something called book a minute. Do you know what this is? I don't, but I want to know. Okay. So book a minute, some very clever person out there in the interweb, uh, (laughs) (laughs) made this thing called book a minute. And he takes, he or she takes a classic work and then reduces it to, one sentence basically I love it yes so I had selected 
uh, I had selected various book of minutes for all of us to read, and that was how we were going to have the conversation. So I gave him Hamlet, which if you don't know, <clears throat> Hamlet is a this very lengthy, incredibly complex psychological drama about someone who goes, uh, a young man who goes through these trials and tribulations related to his father's death and all this intrigue, palace intrigue and murder and these, and his, you know, his girlfriend is suicidal and all these terrible things happen to him. And then he has this giant conflict and fight at the end and it's this big sword battle and everybody basically, you know, everything falls apart. The whole world falls a apart. A fun comedy. <laughs> well, well this is this is the the <laughs> tragic comedy with a lot of tragedy and not that much comedy. Anyhow, his my professor's book a minute was Hamlet, which was wah wah wah. Life stinks. I'm dead. <laughs> the end. <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The, it reminds me of when uh, Wordy had a. I think a friend who was teaching uh, Lord of the Flies and he's in the middle of teaching Lord of the Flies to his class and another teacher walks by and hears they're teaching Lord of the Flies and he opens up the door and he goes, are y'all learning about Lord of the Flies? Piggy dead yet? (laughs) (laughs) Just ruined it. (laughs) Just ruined it. Spoiler alert. So Piggy dead yet is just a great, (laughs) great summation. Well, you remind me, so conversations that stick with you I had a very, very uh, visceral experience talking on July 3rd with one of my great friends, Hayden. And she had, she was, um, she's an artist in her soul. And she ended up going into med school. So she's this incredible artist who is a doctor, which, by the way, I think you want your doctors to be artists because ultimately they're dealing with the creation that is you. Right, sure. so it's a very lovely. What a what a brain to be able to handle those different disciplines. Yeah, she's she's an amazing human being, Hayden Pasco Williams. She's incredible. So she was telling me she had just finished med school and it was in her first moments of residency on July third. So I think residency begins July first, and I was chatting with her. So how's it going? She said, "Look at me in the eye." Don't ever go into a teaching hospital in July. None of us Why? had any idea what we're doing. Oh, oh. <laughs> She's like, they throw you in to the oh, wow. fire. You sure. get there, you've had your two years of, you know, medical school, and then you show up. She's like, we're, people are in the bathroom with their asking Google, you know, like YouTube, appendectomy. <laughs> So <laughs> no. it just, it was actually to tell you the truth. It was, an, it was a lovely afternoon and the sun was setting. It was, this was just a little spot of a conversation. She was just telling me about her experience. Just a, maybe it lasted 15 seconds, but it, it went into my subconscious. And then days passed and July 31st came around and I happened to be pregnant at the time. I was about almost I was getting on to eight months pregnant I wasn't quite there and I got a call I was in Virginia Beach with my family and I got a call from a client up in New York I've told you this story before I basically went up to New York and I took a meeting and in the middle of the meeting my child decided uh, this was the time oh yes right Right. so Rosie was being born in New York 
on the 52nd floor of Rockefeller Center, exactly where we all dream about having our second child. <laughs> great, great place to have great, a baby. Hey, great into a business meeting. You know, it's just like, t- anyway, long story short, they rush me to the hospital. I get in. This young man comes in. I'm giving man as a nice, nice, I'm giving him a nice, nice here. He was a boy. This young boy <laughs> walks in. Oh, it was a girl, actually. No, no. They sent in a boy second. They sent in this girl. She's chewing gum. She looks like she's 16, and she has a tag on that says resident. And she said, oh, so I'm going to be I'm taking care of you. I'm going to be doing, you know, your operation here. And I said, wait, wait, your, your sign says resident. She said, yes. I said, it's July 31st. <laughs> and she said, yeah. I said, please don't take this the wrong way, but I know you have no idea what you are doing. You are not operating on me. That's when they sent in a boy. They thought I had a problem with girl. I don't have a problem with girl. Love girls. Uh, the girl the, doctors. Bring them. Yes. It was the resident, and it was the July. Those two things going together. Anyway. There's a conversation that, conversation that had, yeah. it mattered. Right. You know, it mattered. That small little drop on July 3rd ended up having a pretty profound impact. You know, uh, you, you're, that is the thing. These conversations, you know, where, where this is, obviously, we have conversations with people that don't really matter, but then... We have conversations. The conversations don't matter, not the people, right? The the, the conversations don't really matter. Right, right. Right. But, you you know, just sort of, as you were saying, like, how's your mother kind of stuff. But when we go back in time and we look at these conversations, like the one I had about with my college professor who really said he was making a larger point. You don't even, you don't know what's going on, you know, which is a good thing for a young person to hear. It was it hurt and then that grade that I earned he didn't give me a grade I earned that C minus that that was a sting too and it and it really taught me a good lesson I was it, it reminds me now of this very poignant conversation that after my dad died we I there there were some family members here he didn't have a very large family but he did have this one cousin distant cousin and the guy's name was Frank, and I, he doesn't live here. He lived in Florida. I, I never see him. Anyway, so my, my father had just uh, died, and, and I, I was feeling very remorseful and guilty about something that I had done in my youth. No, it wasn't the C- in the Shakespeare <laughs> class. It was something I, I don't want to talk about it. But it was, I had, I had gotten in some pretty serious trouble, and it had, I had hurt my dad trying to help me with it, it just, it was a very painful experience for everybody involved. Anyway, life moves on, things happen, and, um, you know, I came out of it, learned my lesson, and that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, so I was talking with Frank, and I was expressing that, you know, now that my dad was gone, I was feeling this again, you know, that I felt really terrible about the this event. And he, he said something to me. He said, well... All the great lessons take a piece out of you. Ah. And it was such an important conversation at that moment because it didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. Don't feel guilty. You can't control the past. Or, you know, it's in the past and everything. He was acknowledging how I felt. And he was saying, it took a piece out of you. And he didn't have to say it. 
but that conversation was really the first part for me healing about my dad dying because it's like, well, yeah, I took a piece out of you, and now you're moving on, and life's moving on, and you will have other opportunities to do the right thing. That's right. You're like you're fish food for life. Getting little chunks taken out of you. It's true. It's this, you know you talked about it. We talked about the scars that you carry and whatever else. Oh, yeah. but, but if you, that's the power of a conversation. A conversation is think about it. It's inc- it can be incredibly healing. Just one conversation, somebody helping you reorder the thoughts in your head and make sense of them, or somebody just understanding you, mm-hmm. or conversation being the very beginning of love. I mean, how many people, when you ask somebody, how did you all meet? It's like, well, you know, so-and-so sat next to me at a, at a party, and then we just talked. We just talked. We talked all night, and then at 2 a.m. Mm. in the morning, we thought, look at the time it went by. It's mm. the conversation piece. It's, we drove across country. Well, you're sitting next to someone for 16 hours. You're going to talk. You're going right. to get to know them at an at a unsuperficial level. So I think it's fascinating that conversation can, it can breed love. It can breed understanding. It can breed healing. It can breed humor. It can breed so many bring about, not breed, it can bring, bring about so many positive things that we as humans all need in our lives. And to sit down and sort of take stock, I don't do it often, but to take stock of what kind of conversations you really are having. Where's a better question to ask or a better way of going to a new place? Uh, when, you know, I always thought in teaching conversations when I learned something that was a a measure of that the conversation was going in the right way because if I'm learning something then clearly I think everybody is learning something because I've already gone through that lesson before I've I've experienced the the text multiple times I'm the paid professional but when and i think that conversations like ours conversations that i have with other friends conversations that i have with you know uh melissa or the children or whatever when we're learning something when we make that connection when we walk away from the conversation and go huh wow i didn't know that yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's also that's energy producing when you're learning For something. sure. And when you're a type A talker, <laughs> which I think. I, mean, I don't know anybody <laughs> like that. <laughs> so there's this app called Marco Polo. And I, I, I'm not a big app person, but I've started to use it with a select number of people that don't live near me. So I can have a conversation with them, but it's on my time. It's basically just a video voicemail, ultimately. Oh, okay. But there's something about it that doesn't feel like a video. I mean, I don't feel like I have to have my, my hair done or look nice or have a nice background. I mean, I can sit there and have salad in my teeth and still make a Marco Polo. <laughs> and it's because it's somehow this real piece of you that you're sending to another person. But the thing that I really like about it is I listen to it when I have time. And I'm really listening to someone because I can't talk, I can't interrupt and say, that makes me think of, right? It's, it's, mm. we, it slows down the conversation. And I have to really listen to the person that I'm engaged in this 
slowed down conversation that unfolds over time, I really get to hear where their brain took this topic. And then I get to think about it and then respond versus reacting. Uh, so, so the app slows down the conversation it would, mechanically? It or? D- well, just because when I send you something, oh, it, oh, you oh. have to, it's like voicemail. You only listen to voicemail oh, on sure. voicemail day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I listen to voicemail on voicemail day. Voicemail day. Which may or, may or may not be in this month. <laughs> I've actually noticed that I, the the mailbox is full. You know, when I call you, oh, or of course something. it is. <laughs> I had to be very careful with my voicemail. I've said basically on there that I don't remember exactly what it says, but it's something about running into a bear. What does it say? You listen to it. Oh, um, y- you say I'm in wrestling the middle of wrestling bear. a big bear, and if I win, I'll call I'll you back. back. And if I don't, it'll be a while. That's right. <laughs> And that was all because I mean it's going to be a while, people. <laughs> I just wanted to. The bear is winning. Because everyone yeah. always says, and you've reached Mason. Yeah, yeah. You know, leave a message, and I'll call you back as soon as humanly possible. You can leave a message, and I will listen to it in my sweet time. It's just this really needing to give me some other way. Yes. I, anyway, I, I like it because it slows the conversation down. It forces someone like me to truly have to listen all the way through and not do the the type A talker thing where i jump in as soon as i see Mm. an assimilation you know something like oh you said the color red that reminded me of yes right now okay so that brings up a question i have always wanted to ask you and i've never i've never asked you i'm nervous okay how is it humanly possible to have a conversation while running let me explain the the basis for this question. You have told me in the past about jogging on your various sports teams or running and that you were always in a pack and you were having conversations. I I can't have I can I can't even have a conversation leaving the parking lot running <laughs> with people like <laughs> I mean, like I'm winded before the conversation even starts. So I really want to know this because I've never been able to do it. How do you do it? You have I see people jogging in packs all the time and they're just like they're like having a free flowing conversation as if they're sitting down to dinner or something. Do you want the honest answer? Yes, please. Are you ready? Yes. They're in shape. <laughs> I mean, I Point can- <laughs> taken. Look at the country boy coming to talk to me about running. <laughs> the country out of shape boy. <laughs> well done. Uh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for asking me that softball. <laughs> yeah, boy, that that was a that was a layup. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. This has been a good conversation, Mason. <laughs> I've learned something. No, um, I, I was, I was thinking about how much. I mean, I love to talk. I love to talk. Talking is wonderful. In fact, I love it so much that I talk to myself a lot. Like that's that's part of my daily activities. If I made a to do list, number six on the list would probably be have a good conversation with yourself. And I don't think people like to admit that they talk to themselves, but I can't be the only one Mm -hmm. who has robust 
full conversations. In fact, that's one of the things I love most about driving. A lot of people listen to music, and I do that from time to time, but I really like time alone in a car with myself to really talk out the things that are on my mind. And sometimes, I mean, as I get older, the things I'm talking about are more frustrations that I'm trying to talk right, through. Right, of course. But when you're younger, you just like, you know, you're dreaming yourself into some reality if something might happen to you. You know, as a young person, I mean, it's conceivable that maybe one day a good-looking boy might come say hello to you and you are going to want to have something to say. So if you have that stuff practiced a little bit, like it's a little practice in there. I mean, did you ever do this? Do you ever practice? You're going to ask a girl out, and you like you, you practice. And but what if she says this? And I'll, then I'll then I'll say, "Do you talk to yourself?" I used to, for sure. You stopped. Yeah, I really. I'm. It, that's interesting that you say that because I'm thinking, I for some reason now don't. Now I do a lot of thinking. So you know, if I get in the car. I'm I'm like you. Sometimes I'll listen to music. Sometimes I'll listen to books on tape. Sometimes I'll just let it be silent. Do you ever just practice fun accents? You know, just, just to see, like, what if I said this sentence in this accent and no one's around? You could just go for yes, it? Yes, I have done that. Okay. <laughs> Make sure. I don't want to be the only one here. Well, maybe maybe the question I should be practicing is, uh, maybe I should be running and having a conversation with myself. Get you in shape. Get me in shape. <laughs> I just, I just, I love, I, I think it's important. I mean, I, you're probably right. There's a way to have a conversation with yourself by writing, right? But there is something to giving a little voice to the kinds of things that are, that you're thinking about, like giving yes. them an actual voice. And, and writing in and of itself is a conversation between the author and the reader. I mean, it, it, it's not what we recognize as conversant, where you're going back and forth, but I believe that the best writers are really having a conversation with their reader, and the reader is having a conversation back with the writer through this uh, spiritual experience of really good writing. Well, and that's what's kind of lost when we think about not writing letters anymore. I mean, yesterday... Out, out of the house came my youngest, and he yelled, we got a letter from Rosie. Mm-hmm. She'd written from camp. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation. Again, sure. it's a slowed down conversation, which I rather like because it gives you a chance to think a little bit about what it is you're saying instead of just, you know, shooting from the hip and jumping in. Yes, and, um, well, when you were talking about this lifetime of conversations you've had with yourself... <laughs> I'm I'm not asking you did you I'm asking you how many imaginary friends did you have when you were a child <laughs> That's funny <laughs> That's very funny I don't I, d- I didn't have imaginary friends but What? No, but I have a very very well developed internal world. Like people who had imaginary friends that's one that's a one-on-one thing. <laughs> I had you know what did uh was it Faulkner who who created an entire village you know that yes. he wrote about yes yeah that's a that's the path i took <laughs> why one when you could create an entire <laughs> they town they weren't your friends they were towns and worlds right. and people to come lots of people <laughs> this is also an important part of running i mean you talk about running that your imagination i think some of the best runners have really really well developed imaginations 
where you can that is really interesting imagine i never thought of that the majority of my runs are i mean it's it's this is maybe this is strange if it is so be it if i meet you and i have a connection with you on any level you're now a part you're 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 been brought in you know these bit players in your life the, the people you went to school with who you don't connect with anymore but they were an important sort of side character in the sitcom of your life mm-hmm. right cuz someone had to sit into the seat next to you while your life was going on <laughs> the, those people are those people come with me they're right there yeah. and i can i can make them pop up on the side of a run you know cuz oh look at that this you know <laughs> the guy who sat next to me in 6th grade you know French class. There we go. I just like populate your world with all of it. It just it's wonderful. I uh, I do believe Joyce Carol Oates runs, if not every day, uh, very often, and that's part of her writing routine. I believe she goes on a run and then sits down and writes. Does and she that, really? That, yeah, that it's and it's all connected. And I do uh, I do understand what you're saying. When I go on my walks because I'm out of shape, <laughs> um, it takes me about 10 minutes. But then once I get past that, then my imagination can start to work. And uh, and I, I, I don't know if that's related to the physical activity or just the separation or whether it just makes your brain work better. But then you can have conversations. So now that you say it, I don't I guess when you were asking me if I had conversations with myself, I was thinking more of physically talking or audibly talking to myself. And since I'm walking and not running very fast, yeah. I don't want people to see me talk, but I am actually having conversations about various things in my brain. Listen, I don't like earbuds when you see people with earbuds, but I do think that it's pretty awesome that you can just put earbuds in and pretend like you're talking to someone else <laughs> and just go for it in public. It was kind of exciting. That's funny. I have seen people do that. There's no way that person's talking. <laughs> okay, so you said something interesting. The whole physical movement and and the ability to think, process your thoughts and talk at the same time. So let's mm. let's talk about that for a second because two things pop into my head. One is, um, I'm going to say the one that I don't want to talk about first because I'll forget it. If you're having a conversation, someone told me this, with a man... So as a woman, we like to sit across from each other, look at each other intently in the eyes, and have this deep bonding conversation. A lot of men would prefer not to do that. That's way too much in the spotlight. That's mm. way too much in the in the vortex. So if you're going to have a hard conversation about something hard or difficult, you go for a walk yep. because you're standing side by side. Yep. And maybe that's not men and women. Maybe that's just, it's a hard conversation. You do it, you do it with teenagers. You do it with kids. You do it with anybody and that it works that works that's been a huge learning but the other thing that I learned by extraordinary pressure I'd been invited to speak at a TEDx event in Dallas and the first day they asked me to come speak to an all kids audience it was called you know TEDx for all middle schoolers or something so they had an auditorium for them and I knew what I was going to say I get up there I gave the talk TED Talks are really short. You usually have five minutes to deliver your, maybe 10 minutes to deliver your message. It's hard to do, it's hard to deliver a message in just 10 minutes and really get, bring people along. So I put a lot of energy into it. But the next day I had to speak to an adult audience and I had no idea what I was going to say. I wasn't going to recycle. So I needed to say something new. 
and I just couldn't find the hook. And I was, I got home, I was working, it's seven o'clock at night, it's 10 o'clock at night, it's midnight, I've got nothing. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. I'm still just as blank as a canvas. And now I'm starting to sweat. I mean, I'm starting to get... Because you're speaking the next morning? Well, I'm or, speaking or, the next morning to a large or, audience. Right. And, and bigger than that, it's going to be taped and put on the internet. So I can't... This is, a, you, this is you know, a very personal thing being put on the line here. And I had nothing. I was getting extraordinarily religious at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling out prayers. I'm 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 leafing through the confirmation prayer book and I I finally decided I gotta go to bed. I need to have some sleep. Hopefully my brain will just do something for me. So I go to bed. I wake up at six in the morning and now I am downright monkish. I mean, you know, I, I'm ready to be delivered. Because you're in the shoot to give this thing. And, and I got nothing. I'm blank. Wow. So I got up and I walked. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I wasn't like, I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk down the street. I'm going to just figure this out. So I walked down the street. There was this track down the street. I walked down to it and just started walking around talking, talking out loud. First, I will admit to saying a prayer. You know, please, God, deliver me from this. You said you said the the equivalent of the the fighter pilots prayer. I did. I did. <laughs> And then I just started out loud walking and talking, walking and talking. And then it started to just Ah. reveal itself, walking and talking. And then by the end of the walk, I had it. I had it. I went home and just I I wrote down, don't ever forget the connection between walking and talking. Not running, Mason. There's a chance for you, my man. (laughs) It's walking and talking. Right. The physical movement. You think about it with children. You know, when they're trying to when they're trying to learn something, they're getting frustrated when they learn. Get them up and make them go yep. walk outside, yep. go walk, go move. Yep. To move through that. We um we <laughs> so just one more quick. I got one for you. Story about teaching. Uh, the The hardest classes to teach adolescents is eight in the morning. Right. That's their, a tough one. Their their bodies and their brains are not designed to do anything at eight. I mean, you know, that anyway, so I had this senior class and uh, the what I would always do if if they were super tired, I would and especially if a kid was nodding off, I would say, would you like a cold cup of coffee? <laughs> and they usually said yes, which meant in the wintertime raising the window and just Taking, sticking your head sticking out, sticking your head out, and just getting to breathe, you know, some big Fresh breaths air. of air, and of course, then everybody else is sort of the temperature change, and so they're start, and that sort of woke them up, you know, it's a little bit of a of a trick. But one morning, I mean, my gosh, they could not, no cold cups of coffee would work. So I said, "All right, everybody, let's go," and we walked outside, and we walked around. It was bitter cold now they all wore their jackets and everything like that it wasn't some you know forced march (laughs) or anything like that but we walked around and i had them reciting william blake poetry and which has a good rhyme to it and a good meter and it was really funny they they really took to it and then they started saying it louder and louder and louder yeah yeah so and then we were walking around and it's freezing cold but everybody was having a good time you know i'm sure some of the kids thought that it was stupid but some of them were like oh captain my uh, captain (laughs) well or at least i know who william blake is now (laughs) that's right won't forget it 
Well, I, um, I, I'll leave you with this thought. I've never been able to resist somebody else's conversation. So when you're sitting at a restaurant or at a Starbucks, you're just trying to get some work done, and there to your right or your left are two people deep in a conversation. I have German shepherd ears. <laughs> they prick up and they turn like a radar and they take it all in. Uh, You're an eavesdropper, huh? Oh, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, I it's knew better you. Than television. I should have known. But here's the worst part. I can't keep myself to just be in the corner being a voyeur. I can't do that. I have to inject myself. I can't tell you how many times I've, <laughs> if, you know, I've paid for the bill and then I lean over and say, by the way, you should break up with him. <laughs> and do not lower the price on your house. That thing will sell. You just need to be patient and then move right on. <laughs> so if all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm at some restaurant with Melissa and then all of a sudden you're coming, like, no, you really do need to get out there and get in shape. <laughs> Mason, thank you. Thank you. This was a lovely uh, conversation uh, about, conversations. about conversations. Is that meta? Is that what meta means when you talk about the thing that you're doing? I don't understand what meta means. You can explain it to me later, but we'll do it. We'll we'll do that on another episode. How about so, that? Some some conversation we just talk about words. That's a big one. That is. All right. Talk to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and share with any of your friends you think might enjoy being a part of this conversation. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and stories. So visit us at www.igotoneforya.com or email us directly at igotoneforya.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>